0: The Bible readings today, the first one comes from Psalm 16, which I'll be reading. It will be on the screen and is on page 850 of the Black Church Bibles. Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in in whom is all my delight. Those who run after other gods will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I shall not, not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad, my tongue rejoices, my body also will rest secure, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful one, day, one see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Uh, the second reading is from John chapter twenty. Uh, which again will be on the screen and is on page 1,685 of the Black Church Bibles. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter, the other disciple, and the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have put him. And I do not know where they have put him at this. She turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener. She said, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've put him and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned to him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and he he told him that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the, the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive any sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, See my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name
1: morning, everyone. Happy Easter. Uh, I got given this article, this newspaper article, from uh, your used-to-be minister uh, from Cameron. And uh, it, it reads like this. I have to share it with you. I, in fact, I wonder whether in every church in the Trinity Network it's getting shared as well. It says, A Romanian court has ruled that a 63-year-old man is dead despite what would appear to be convincing evidence to the contrary the man himself appearing alive and well in court constantine reliu asked a court in the town of balad to overturn a death certificate obtained by his wife after he had spent more than a decade in turkey during which time he was out of contact with his family the court told him he was too late and would have to remain officially deceased you read that, I, I, doesn't it just smack of an April Fool's prank? Don't you think? Except that it was uh, recorded uh, uh, not during April Fool's, and I was thinking, I'm still I'm still a bit dubious, I'm going to go check it out. So I had a look, and there's actually quite a, few, quite a few news agencies that's picked it up, and I'm thinking, it sounds real, but I'm not sure. I'm really not sure until the end of today whether it's actually going to be real or not. I think sometimes when uh, we hear about the resurrection of Jesus, sometimes we get that feeling. I I assume that our world feels that too. Uh, They look at the resurrection and they think, "Is is this just an April Fool's prank? And does that make us as Christians the April Fool's? I mean, it's, a, it's difficult to accept with so much evidence now and even then pointing to the contrary, isn't it? I mean, we're not we're not sitting at grave sites waiting for people to pop up out of their graves. If, if someone were to come to us today, they walked through the door and said, Hey, I used to be dead three days ago, but now I'm alive and kicking in. Well, you would probably be a little suspicious as well. Well, let me assure you, though, that the resurrection is no prank but the pinnacle of Christianity. We have come to John's eyewitness account of Jesus' resurrection, and we are going to see groups of people encountering the risen Jesus, and it's just amazing how they respond, because they would respond the way that we would have responded. And so we come to Mary. It is early in the morning, so early that it is still dark. And this darkness is filled with immense grief at the death of Jesus, whom, if you remember, was mockingly hailed as the king of the Jews. Not so long ago, even at the beginning of this gospel, people said of him, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But whilst Jesus' light shined, while well, the darkness has not understood it. And so here we come to Mary Magdalene in this darkness, and she visits the tomb. And what she finds will not only illuminate her, it will radiate around the globe. The stone had been moved away from the tomb, and Jesus has disappeared. Can you feel her heart start to race, and the questions start to multiply, and the feet start to run? She runs to Simon Peter, to the other disciples and to the one whom Jesus loves. And she says, verse 2, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they've put him. Grave robbers were prevalent in those days. So her reaction is natural. Some people must have taken the Lord's body. And that's just adding to the hurt she's already feeling. Is this just a sick April Fool's joke? Well, this sparks a chain reaction. And so more hearts are racing and more feet are running. Simon Peter is a man of action, we know, because he's the one who defended Jesus earlier with a sword. So seeing him running is quite fitting. But you see another one who overtakes him. Well, it's the other way around. But Peter is also the very same one who repeatedly denied knowing Jesus when he was arrested. I wonder what's going on in Peter's mind at the moment. Will Jesus turn out to be that very king whom he denied? The very one who said, destroy this temple that is my body and I will raise it again in three days. Is it going to be him? We get some delicious details from what what they see, don't we? The strips of linen, the burial cloth, which once covered the body of the crucified Jesus the cloth being followed up and separated. They're marks of a person being involved, indeed a live person being involved. It's the marks of an eyewitness account. And here we might expect the same conclusion as Mary's, that is, grave robbers have been involved, but instead we hear at least about the other disciple, verse 8, he saw and believed. He saw and believed. And believed it's the response that we will hear again and again from various people. When they see and encounter Jesus, they saw and they believed. It's a little peculiar uh, that when you get to verse nine, it says, well, they did not understand from scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. But surely that's precisely the point. For if they did understand from scripture, they wouldn't have had to run. They would have been already at the tomb, ready to greet Jesus on day three. They would have known from scripture, like Psalm 16, that's printed in your outline there, a section there, that the father would not abandon Jesus to the grave, nor will he let his faithful one or holy one see decay. Instead, that it would have aligned their hearts with Jesus and would have been glad their tongues would have rejoiced. Just like Psalm 16 says. Well, the disciple, he saw and believed, but actually he should have understood and believed before then. Praise God, nevertheless, that there is belief in the end. Uh, My little son, Jordan, he's seven years old, uh, and he's really into uh, Lego at the moment. Sorry, Lego at the moment. I've got to correct my pronunciation but he loves to build things. And the the problem is that he hasn't quite worked out how to make things stick. So he builds things and it kind of falls apart and he he starts tearing up and he's really frustrated. He comes to dad and he says, dad, can you fix it? And I look at him and I go, poor little boy. Engineer dad, right? I know what to do. What you need, son, is reinforcement. But in order to reinforce what you've made, I'm kind of needing to pull some things apart. And then the tears start to rain out and down again. I'm going, you don't pull my things apart. But Sonny, if I do that, I promise you, I promise you that it will come back more sturdy. And you know, of course, like after I'm done with it, <clears throat> I've reinforced everything I could. And it comes up twice the size, right? It's one of those things where if you drop it from a from a second a two-story building, it's not going to break. And you look at him and he thinks, This is great. And then he moves on to the next thing. (laughs) Sometimes I wonder whether we look at uh, Jesus and we see the disciples' responses and they've just seen Jesus' body taken apart. But they hadn't realized that, well, Jesus had made a promise. That God has made a promise. That though his body might be in the grave, that three days later he will rise. He will rise from the dead. Well, Mary hadn't understood and believed, and neither did she see and believe. In fact, what happened was that she saw, and she's back at the tomb, weeping. We've got to really feel for Mary, don't we? <clears throat> she's been through a lot, and she's about to go through it even more. Now usually when angels turn up, you know, you know what the typical response is when you see angels turning up? There's this uncontrollable buckling of the knees and falling straight on your face uh, in absolute terror and shaking because these are God's awesome messengers. But not Mary. Probably because she can't see through her tears. There are two angels in white seated where Jesus once laid And they draw out her worries again with their question. Verse 13, woman, why are you crying? I would have liked to be an angel on the wall at that point, wouldn't you? And just as we're waiting for Mary to realize who she's speaking with, well, Jesus turns up. Jesus turns up. And it's just full of irony because, well, the angels know what's going on. And Jesus knows what's going on. We know what's going on. But Mary has no idea, the poor thing. She's desperate for an answer at this point. Perhaps it was this this gardener-looking person that's taken the body. Will you just show me where you've put him and I'll go get him? Jesus' response is as simple and it is compassionate. His voice hadn't been recognized before, but it will be now. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary, and like sheep who know the voice of their master, Mary knows the voice of her Lord and she responds with, Rapponi, teacher. My children, they listen to the voice of their master. Sadly, it's not necessarily me. I've tried different volumes, son, 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 I've tried different uh, tones, you know you've got to change your tone maybe, son, son, I've tried different accents even, but apparently they all sound like Indian, so I'm not going to go there, <laughs> one can dream of the day when daddy says, throw out the rubbish, and they stand to attention, and they march to the overflowing bins. It's a bit of a dream, I think. (laughs) Well, Mary had some trouble at first, but she recognized the sweet, sweet voice of her master. She recognized the sweet voice of her teacher. As scripture prophesied, God did not abandon him to the grave or let him see decay. Jesus is alive. And so very much of our understanding and of our assumptions are just turned upside down at this point. And questions just abound, don't they? And it's not just out there that the questions are, are raised, it's in here as well, and that's okay. We might be Christians for a long time, but we still have questions about how this can happen, and that's okay. Because God can take our questions. Well, naturally, Mary would have wanted to stay with Jesus now that she's found him again. But Jesus has had had different plans for her. Uh, This isn't the time to cling to him because others need to know about his resurrection and where he's going. Did you hear how he addresses his disciples? He says, my brothers. And, And this is deeper than just calling each other brothers in arms. His father is... Their father and his God is their God and our God. It's one thing for Jesus to call God his father, but it's quite another for his disciples to call God our father. Well, Mary's report to his disciples, it changes in verse 18. No longer is she saying, we don't know where they've put him. She now says, I have seen the Lord. Mary saw and believed. Brothers and sisters, feel afresh the privilege of calling God our heavenly Father. For it is not the privilege of many. We are his children not naturally, not because of human decision nor of a person's will, but born of God. If we were to speak of who we are naturally, we are those who naturally reject the Father. We are those who naturally would ignore him. But now we are children who belong to his family forever. It is astounding that Jesus rose from the dead. But it is more astounding that Jesus chooses to call us brothers and we get to call God Father. Well, Mary's had her visit from Jesus, <clears throat> it is now the disciples' turn. Evening has arrived, and we find them behind locked doors, trembling with fear. And would you blame them? They certainly don't have a death wish, having witnessed how their master was tortured and killed. If it were me, I'd be adding additional locks and bars on the windows, and even maybe put, put outside a Rottweiler. Clearly, the testimony of Mary and the other disciples hadn't been received. They hadn't understood from scripture either. Well, Jesus, he's he's just the master of making an entrance, don't you think? And so verse 19, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. I know that it says that the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord, but I I can't imagine that being their first reaction. I think their first reaction would have been, Whoa, whoa, hang on. Jesus here, door locked. Wasn't Jesus dead? What's going on? Some might be curious about the character of Jesus' resurrected body. I figured that if he can rise from the dead, I figured locked doors aren't much of an issue. The identifying marks of Jesus, did you notice? They weren't his eyes, or his hairstyle, or his height even. There were his hands, and there were his side. Places where nails and spear had met God the Son. He is recognised by his death. This is the same Jesus who is the Lamb of God, which means He is the same Jesus who takes away the sin of the world. I've mentioned uh, earlier about how in the city we have quite a multicultural family there, and uh, one of the things that I've I've noticed that sometimes uh, telling people apart is really difficult. Uh, and so people come to me all the time, because I don't, I don't mind. People come to me all the time, um, and they, they're trying to work out who's who. Uh, I can't work out whether these guys over here who are all Asian with the same haircut, wearing the same glasses, and all the same height, which one is Peter, which one's Bob, which one's Chris. I've I, I got to confess to you, I don't actually wear glasses. I was trying to work out how many people I could fool today. Did anyone think I was Jeff? Maybe, maybe, maybe not. you'd be surprised how often I get mistaken for Jeff, uh, which has which has its, uh, which has its uh, I must say, uh, benefits. So apparently the, uh, the, 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 uh, the dice has kind of misplaced me for about four years because they thought I was Jeff. Never mind that he's about a foot taller. You know he wears glasses, and he's far better looking than I am. But never mind that, but apparently I look like. That's OK we kind of think you guys look alike too. <laughs> you didn't know that, did you? Yeah, you thought we, we were the ones, you know, you're kind of having troubles with us, but actually we kind of find it hard with you too. So don't worry, all of us are confused. You know, the really scary thing is that um, I, actually, I actually see better with the glasses on. <laughs> what is that saying? I don't know. What's my point again? Oh yeah, that's right. What are the distinguishing marks of Jesus? It's not that he wore glasses. It's not, it's not the color of his skin. It's that he bore the marks of his crucifixion. This was that same Jesus. It is because he satisfies his father's anger against us that he can repeatedly say, Peace be with you. This is far more than a greeting. It's not as if he turns up through closed doors and says, G'day, mate. far more than that. It is an offer of reconciliation with the Father, without which they had better, in fact, we had better hide, not from the Jews, but from God, the judge. And just as the Father sent him, and just as he sent Mary to the disciples, so he sends his disciples out. He commissions them with the Holy Spirit. And we had earlier promised to give. And at this point, it, it seems it's as if the, the giving wasn't immediate. It's anticipating the, the events of the Pentecost, when they will receive the Spirit. But the Spirit's presence is key for their role of Giving forgiveness of sin And so if you look in your leaflets It says from John 15 When the counsellor comes Whom I will send to you from the Father The spirit of truth Who goes out from the Father He will testify about me The spirit will keep pointing to Jesus And he will also convict people of their sin Uh, Jesus isn't suddenly saying That these guys, his disciples Suddenly get to decide Who gets forgiven and who's not not It is merely showing how important it is that they go out with the presence of the Spirit. The disciples saw and believed. Mary saw and believed. Now the disciples see and they believe. Well, there is one more who would like to see before believing, even touch before believing, and he is affectionately called Doubting Thomas. Though I wonder whether it's better that we call him our Thomas. For he is just asking what any of us would. Verse 25, he says, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and I put my finger where the nail were, the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. He needed to see these distinguishing marks. Did you notice that the doors are still locked? A week later, we kind of expected that there would be more of an effect on the disciples, which gives us a bit of a clue that perhaps the Spirit hadn't been given quite yet. And Jesus is very kind to repeat his entrance with the same greeting and showing against his hands and his side. He knows Thomas's question and he kindly obliges. Verse 27, Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and oh, put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe and aren 't we just so thankful that he gave Thomas the opportunity because we would have been we would have liked to be there to have touch with our finger, to have touch with our hands well thomas 's response again is it 's pregnant with significance verse twenty eight He says, my Lord and my God. There is no other person whom Thomas would dare address like this. And there is no other person who could receive this recognition, only one who has been sent by the Father, who has died and has been raised. Can you imagine if uh, suddenly I started to refer to our Andrew Severin here as your majesty. When he arrives, I say your majesty and I start to bow. And I start reserving him the, uh, the best seat in the house right up the front with his name and his plaque there. And before he receives morning tea or supper, well, I, I would make sure that I would taste it first in case to make sure that it is safe for him to eat. And when he enters the hall, I would say, All rise. Andrew is here. I think he'd kind of like that for a little while. (laughs) But I think very quickly, if he's Australian, he would say, stop it. (laughs) And that's because we wouldn't expect to be dressed like that, would we? There There is no greater person than Jesus for whom that title fits. Perfectly. No other person. The person whom we wouldn't just call your majesty. We would call our God. Right from the beginning of the gospel, we've already been told, and it's in your leaflets again, uh, that John the Baptist, who is he? Well, he's a voice of one calling. In the desert, prepare the way for The Lord makes straight in the wilderness a highway for who? For our God. And who turns up but Jesus? We knew right from the start. Thomas here confesses Jesus is both Lord and God. Thomas saw he presumably touched and he believed. Well, the next people who would believe are there in verse 29. I wonder whether you picked it up. Verse 29. Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Friends, that is us. And at this point, we might feel like, boy, we've missed out. (laughs) Wouldn't it have been better to have been there, to have been able to have that opportunity to touch But that's not how Jesus sees it. Far from missing out, he sees us and he regards us as blessed. And that is because we have something that places us in a blessed position. Verse 31, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. We don't actually have had to see before believing. We can read. We can hear. Just like the first disciples were supposed to have read or heard the scriptures about Jesus. And furthermore, we have the spirit whom God has given us to be able to receive the scriptures. I think that we can sometimes miss the wood from the trees when it comes to this passage. Uh, we can get so intrigued by the splendor of the resurrection that we might miss the significance of it. After all, it is a sign, and it's a sign pointing to its significance. It points to Jesus being God's anointed king, and it points to life through trusting this anointed king. Can you imagine if uh, if people drove up to the hills in Adelaide from overseas and one of the things they were delighted in is in the sign that is the sign of Sterling. And what they have decided to do is they, they've taken their picnic and their picnic rug and they decided to camp out in front of the sign. Uh, of course, it's in the middle of the highway, so it's kind of like the, 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 the traffic has got to uh, be redirected. But there they are in droves because they've heard of Sterling and they're sitting there looking at the sign, taking photos and posting on Facebook. I mean, a bit silly, wouldn't it? No, 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 look at the sign, look at where it's pointing, go past the sign, go into Sterling, take pictures of the leaves, take pictures of the lovely hills, take pictures of the lovely people, put that on Facebook. Well, sometimes we might miss it. I think we sometimes look at the resurrection and we think, I'm kind of stuck at the how. How did it work? My son does this. How how does it work? He was dead. How how can it be that all those things that kind of stop working, it, it gets put back together again, and then we miss the significance. It is pointing to the fact that Jesus is Lord, and he is God, and he gives us life. Please don't get distracted by people who will persuade you of definitions of this life in things that are lesser than what Jesus says. Sometimes I hear what what people say life is all about here, and it kind of sounds a little bit more about what we want rather than what God is promising. Have you noticed that sometimes? Brothers and sisters, this life, it is no less than eternal life. It is no less than resurrected life. It is no less than life in peace with the Father. It is no less than life as family of the risen king. Don't let anyone persuade you of anything less than that. Well, it is April Fool's Day. And I do wonder whether our world looks at us and and, and wonders whether or not the disciples of Jesus are fools. And actually, if the resurrection did not occur, well, it tells us in 1 Corinthians that we would be the greatest of fools wouldn't we? We would still be in our sins. But there are details here that we can't ignore. It reads as history to the point where if you go to any historian, they would agree this is a historical book. This isn't a fiction book. It is the reason why when you go looking for a Bible in the, in the library, you don't find the Bible in fiction. Do you? Because It is fact. We read about the details in the history. We read about the details about the cloth that was left behind. And the stone, and we're not talking about a little pebble here. We're talking about this, this stone that had to be rolled away with guards guarding it. You had, have, you had to have several men to push this stone uphill, away from the entrance in order for this to happen. We've heard about the responses of the disciples. They are very real, are they not? That is how we would have responded. We've heard about the locked doors. This is reading, this is, tell, this is told as history. We saw the disciples see with their eyes, that they touch with their hands. This is no mistaken identity, as if it wasn't really Jesus, but actually it was his friend. Did you not, did you not hear about the hands and the side? This is the same Jesus whom Thomas could put a hand in. Some people might say, well, maybe he just fainted and then he just woke up again. Remember the big tomb? Remember the, the boulder that was in front of the, the, the way? Remember there were actually pierce marks in his, hand, in, the, in, his, uh, in his hands and in his side. Sometimes people say, maybe the disciples, they hid the body. They wanted to perpetuate this truth that, that Jesus had been risen from the dead and so they took the body they hid him. Until you realize that, well, the disciples, well, they, they died for what they believed. Now, you would only ever take a joke that far, wouldn't you? I think if your life was threatened, you'd probably produce the body and say, Dah! Jesus' body, just kidding, don't kill me. But they had died for what they believed. People might say, someone else has has taken the body. Really? I'm pretty sure they're all trying to disprove the claims that Jesus has been raised. If they had taken the body, it would have been very quick for them just to reproduce and say, there you go, I told you Jesus is still dead, but he is alive. Friends, people might say that Christians are fools, We don't feel that way, do we? The resurrection is the very pinnacle of Christianity. It is the very highlight, the very climax of Jesus our Lord, but also our life and our life eternal. Let's pray. Father, we give you great praise. Thank you that you raised Jesus to life as you promised. And Father, we thank you that we see your strength, your faithfulness. And Father, we thank you that we see in this great sign that Jesus is both Lord and God and that there is life for us, eternal. And so, Father, we have read and we believe. Amen.